Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. So let me ask you, are you born again? Are you born again? Notice I didn't ask if you go to church, did not ask if you read the verse of the day, did not ask if you give money to charity, I did not ask if you give thoughts and prayers when something bad happens, I did not say do you give good vibes when something happens. Um, I did not ask if you were a good person. I didn't ask if you were a church leader. I, I asked, have you been born again? All of the things I just mentioned, Nicodemus had on lockdown. How many of you know context matters? Right? I preached something back, back in December. I said something, the cheesiest thing I'd ever said in my life. We don't need, right, Dominique? We don't need contact lenses. We need context lenses, especially whenever we're reading the Bible. Some of you have a hard time reading the Bible because you don't understand context. Something will not most of the time make sense in Scripture unless you read it in context, in context of the whole Bible, in context of culture. You've got to make sure you just don't understand what you're reading, but the place it's being read at, who it's being written by, who it's being written to, all of the normal stuff that you would do whenever you're reading a piece of literature right? You have to use those tools and principles with the word of God as well. And when you dive into the context of this conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus, you find Nicodemus is really odd because he comes to Jesus at night almost saying, I don't want any of my other pharisaical friends to know about this convo. Because he knows if he, because he, y'all, he was a Jew, ruler of the Jewish synagogue. Like he was, he was one of the top dogs. They, you know, he was he, just himself being a Pharisee shows he was very committed, he was very learned, he was very influential, he, he had the political friends, if you know what I'm saying, that, the, that like he had the higher echelon social group, he was the one that people looked up to as being the teacher. Even a few verses after the verses we read, Jesus says, you're supposed to be the teacher in, in this country and you don't even understand this concept of being born again? Nicodemus comes to him at night, and then he kind of gets friendly with Jesus. Jesus, I know you a teacher. I see all the stuff you're doing. You a powerful man of God. Man, you are a rabbi. Like, he's trying to give them these compliments, and Jesus, being who Jesus is, um, basically bypasses all of, his nice, all of his niceties at the beginning. It kind of bypasses that and kind of goes straight for the heart. Because I think Nicodemus just wanted to talk about the Torah. He's like, yeah, man, what do what you think about when Moses said that? Kind of asked him a few questions. And, but Jesus saw past what he was trying to say to what he actually needed to hear. And Jesus said, hey, if you have not been born again, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Now, when, when Nicodemus heard the kingdom of God, something inside of him went ding, ding. Because to him, the kingdom of God was not a present reality. It was something that was going to happen after he died. It was something in the future. 
It was something that wasn't here and now. It was when the Messiah came and overthrew Rome and, and, and made things right for the country Israel. But Jesus said, hey, you won't understand the kingdom of God. You won't even go into or, or even comprehend or even understand what the kingdom of God is unless you have been born again. And Nicodemus did what we'd all do if we had a, you know, kind of the context and of, what, of what Nicodemus had. He's like, hey, Jesus, how am I going to fit back into my mama's womb? Because he's like, he's going to biology class. He's like, I know this biology thing. I don't know if I'm going to get back into that stomach. I'm kind of big right now. But what Jesus was saying was, is Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And do you know what he was actually saying? You need to actually go back to being a child. Which probably hit right at the heart of Nicodemus because he was... He had so much status. So here's the thing. Today, we're going to dive into what it means to be born again. And why is this important? Because it connects to the kingdom of God. Because as we're in this series, thy kingdom come, we're learning individually and corporately how in the world do we live in light of and bring, not just within us, but through us, the kingdom of God. I said a couple weeks back, the kingdom of the concept of the kingdom of God is hidden in plain sight in the Gospels. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God a hundred times. He talked about the church twice. And what I felt the Lord say to me is if we don't understand as the church what the kingdom of God is, our part in the kingdom of God, that we will not understand ultimately the purpose of the church. Because the church is the people, the army that God raises up to be and then bring the kingdom of God wherever we go. And if the church doesn't understand that, then we will start chasing things that the world calls success, but Jesus doesn't. Because through the kingdom of God, he, he defines and shows us what our character is supposed to be and what success looks like. So we said, Lord, we're going to do a series on the kingdom. I don't know how long it's going to be. You know how hard it is for me to say that? Because I like to be precise. I like to plan out a year in advance. of This is what the sermon topics we're going to say. These are scriptures we're going to hit. But I just feel the Holy Spirit say, follow me. I'm like, okay. This is crazy to me. I don't like this, but I'm going to follow. So we're going to dive into the kingdom of God as long as we need to until it gets not just here, but gets here and then works its way out here. Okay? So it's important we understand the kingdom of God because if you remember two weeks ago, I talked about repentance. Repentance is a turning. It's not just feeling sorry for. It is a turning of you saying, I was going this way. Now I'm making a choice to go this way. I talked about whenever you repent last, last week, what do you turn to? You turn to the gospel. You turn to the good news of what Jesus did for you. You receive it and you believe it. It's not achieved. It, it, it is received and then it is believed not just with your mind but believed by with your actions. So we turn from and we turn to, we receive the gospel. And then I want to talk about today what actually happens when you receive and believe the good news it is exactly what Jesus talked about. You become born again. And this is not a born in the physical realm. This is a born in the spiritual realm. And that's what Jesus was trying to explain to Nicodemus. He's like, birth or flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And Jesus was saying that if you're going to understand the kingdom of God, you're not going to just understand it with physical eyes, physical mind, and common sense. It's going to be a spirit thing that is going to be birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit has been the redheaded stepchild in the church for way too long. Honestly, even Francis Chan, he wrote this book called Forgotten God. 
Because he's like, we love talking about the love of the Father. We love talking about the work of the Son. But the Holy Spirit, I don't know. And many times that's because of our experiences. We've seen people abuse it. We've seen people do things in the name of the Spirit, but it was all for selfish glory. We've seen churches prostitute the Holy Spirit to get the things they want and say things saying that, that the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and, it, and it's like, so I can understand why people would have some, appre- some apprehension towards the Holy Spirit, but what we actually see Jesus even saying here, it is the Holy Spirit that actually brings the rebirth and the renewal and that follows through on what Jesus went and paid for. I don't know if you remember this. One of the things Jesus said is that I'm actually leaving, y'all. Like, he left his disciples, right? He's like, hey, I'm gonna teach y'all a little bit. Peter, you're going to be the one in charge. James, John, y'all going to blah, 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 blah. Y'all going to be apostles. It was kind of like a huddle, right? So it was like, we're going to run Z29, X cross on three. Ready? Break. And then the church went and did their stuff. But then he told them, hey, as you're zx 25 and red 28 and red 29, I'm not going to leave y'all by yourselves. He said, I'm going to send to you a helper who will help you testify about me who won't just come upon you like it did in the Old Testament. It will come within you. So you just want, and even as we actually read 1 Corinthians 6, that we become the temples, the dwelling place that the Holy Spirit makes his home in. So God is not just out there. God is now dwelling in here through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. This is good news. But he said, Jesus said, look, I'm going to go, but when I go, you better wait for the gift that I'm going to send. Because if you don't wait and you try to do it in your own willpower, you are going to fail miserably. And the apostles waited and they prayed. And that's where we see Acts chapter 2. They were waiting and praying. And then it says suddenly. You know what? how much God does whenever we're faithful in doing what he called us to do? We have those suddenly moments. Those suddenly moments where as you're waiting and praying, the Holy Spirit kisses something. And it just starts to do its thing. This is what happened with the very early church. The early church was waiting and praying, and then the Holy Spirit came down. Revival happened. 3,000 people saved. People literally asking, how do I be saved? Come on. But that is the same spirit that Jesus said we have available to us right now. And it's the same spirit that Jesus is referring to in John chapter 3 when he says what actually rebirths us is his Holy Spirit touches our dead spirit and gives our dead spirit new life. And some of you have felt this, and I believe today that as we're talking about being born again, some of you today are going to be reassured that you are born again. Because some of you are so insecure in your salvation. And that is not God's will. For you to at every altar call, raising your hand just to be sure, <laughs> right? Like, like just, just got to be sure. That is not God's will. Like, if you, like, every day was, was like, does my wife love me? Tell me you love me. You know, like, that's kind of like a weird relationship. But some of y'all are this way with God. Some of you have actually been falsely converted. Some of you have, have actually, and, and I talked last week about false gospels. False gospels lead to false conversions. But also, too, some of you have never been born again. Like, like you've, and here's the thing, there's no condemnation, y'all. Are you kidding me? This is grace today. This is the goodness of God today. 
This is the love of God today. It says it is the kindness of God that leads us to turn to him. It's the kindness today. But some of you have never been born again. Like you have never experienced, like you, you might be a good person. You, you might have done some good things. You might have been in a church building. But just like Nicodemus, Jesus said, you don't get it, Nicodemus. It's got to be a work of the spirit, not a work of your flesh that does things. So I believe today there are some of you, you're, you're going to be assured you're born again. Some of you today, you've got, you're, God's going to reveal to you in his kindness that you were falsely, and I'm going to get into that, so don't. And, and then third, some of you are going to see I've been, like, I, I need to re- repent and turn to the gospel and receive it. What a gift. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Now, this concept of new birth through the Holy Spirit isn't just what Jesus taught throughout the whole New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5, this is what Paul says. Therefore, if anyone, everybody say, everybody say anyone. Aren't you glad that it's following Jesus can be anyone? That's why you have to be careful who you include and who you don't. Anyone. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. New creation. Old things have gone, have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We see this, Titus chapter 3. It says, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and, and envy, being hated and hating each other. But when the kindness of the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of the things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the, what, washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. First Peter chapter 1, we see Peter saying this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth, there's that word, new birth, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We see in John chapter 1, this was two chapters before John talked about this encounter he had with Nicodemus. He said, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. If you were in Bible college right now and you're being taught about this concept, the word that they would teach you is regeneration. This concept of the regenerative work of the Spirit of God. I want to define that word for you, though. It says regeneration is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of granting spiritual life to dead sinners. This is not a work in which man contributes, but is a work of God alone. Much as an infant receives no credit for being born, man receives no glory from being regenerated by God. I was actually thinking, though, about this. We do contribute something to being saved. We contribute sin. (laughs) What a terrible deal, right? We give God our sin. He gives us his righteousness. We give him his sin, or we give him our sin. He gives us his love and forgiveness and his mercy. What a deal, y'all. What a deal we get to be in. What, What a lopsided trade. Jesus, okay. So we can see that it is a work of the Spirit. Work of the Spirit that goes and follows through on the work that Jesus did. Holy Spirit rejuvenates us, regenerates us. Now, I don't know if you know this. If you haven't been in church culture, you would not know this. There's been a lot of fighting in the church about how this happens. You know the church is good at fighting? Church isn't, isn't good at many things. But we are great at fighting about everything. Right, Evan? We can find anything to fight over. Like, oh, you want to fight about the Bible? Let's fight! You want to fight about politics? Let's fight! You want to fight about... The carpet? 
yeah, it should be white because Jesus is going to come with a white robe on. So I think our carpet should be white. You know, like, I thought that was a lot funnier. But, uh, you know, because <laughs> this is like real talk, y'all. Like, I've had people, like, like, I remember being in a church, they wanted to paint the back walls black so they could have better for online and better lighting and better all of this stuff. And people in the church were like, that's the devil's color. Like, I can't even right now. Like, I'm about to get thrown out this church because I'm about to correct some saints, you know? But this is like Christians are good at fighting. And this, the exact same thing has happened in the Christian culture world when it comes to how are people born again, how are people saved? You've got some people that are kind of in the free will camp. So they believe, like, we play a part in us being saved. So God provides the way we respond, we choose. It's our choice. It's a free will choice. And because of our choice, God saves us. Then you've got the whole other camp, which is kind of more like election, predestination, that kind of says, we don't even have a choice. God just chooses. So it's like, duck, duck, damn. You know, and it's, and it's, it's kind of like God chooses whom he once saved. And you can't, you ain't got no choice. You're just predestined by the foreknowledge of God, and you don't even have a choice. And people fight over this. Christians debate over this. And let me tell you how God has wired me. Whether we choose or God picks, the byproduct of either is we're saved. We're born again. And when I am a person that is wired to say not either or, both and, of saying I see concepts and snippets of both of those concepts in the Bible and even in my life personally. I'll be candid. I feel called by God to be doing what I'm doing. Where I know if I was doing anything else, I would be miserable. I literally feel like God, when I was 16 years old, doing stupid stuff, my girlfriend had just told me she's pregnant, like the God reached down and literally pulled me up and said, son, you are mine now. (laughs) So part of me is like, yeah, God does choose. Because I feel chosen, chosen, chosen. I feel chosen. I swear I use words. I feel chosen. But then I know if I went out to Jefferson Avenue and just jumped in front of the middle of the car and died, I'm not going to blame that on God. I mean, I wanted to do that when Jacksonville lost yesterday, but I'm not doing that. Right? I compose myself. If y'all don't know me, I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. If this is your first time here, you know, and you want to be a part of our church, you have to sign a covenant saying you become a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding, but. But y'all, I see both and in Scripture. And, and what I'm saying is, y'all, is that look, instead of fighting each other over what we don't know, let's start fighting for what we do know. That everybody needs to be born again. Whether it's their choice, our choice, who cares? I want to be passionate because, I, you know what, I'm going to do evangelism and I'm going to speak to people like it is their choice. And then I'm going to trust God to pick. Even that Red Robin this, this past Wednesday night, Dwayne, you were, you were there. Waitress comes up. We were out to eat. Waitress comes up. I just kind of have this thing. Whenever the waitress comes up and we're about ready to pray, to pray for the food, I just ask them if there's anything they need prayer for. So I just said, hey, how's it going? We're about ready to pray over the food. Is there anything that you, know, is there anything that you need prayer for? Y'all, one of the greatest ways to share the gospel is just ask if you can pray to bless people. 
Just say, hey, how can I pray for God to bless you? It's as simple as that. Literally right there, she shared with us, my husband left me. It was a heavy moment. It was a heavy, heavy moment. And we just paused and just prayed and just prayed right there. And you know what? And, and you, know, you know, we gave him information about life. Like, we, we did our part, but you know what? I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to do his part. So here's what I'm asking us to do, church family. There's going to be a lot of things that as a church we're going to be tempted to fight over because we have a preference. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that if our preference is not 100% Bible, then we need to be sure that we're not, we're not fighting against each other, but we're fighting for what is clear in Scripture. What is clear in Scripture is everyone needs to be born again. So we're going to take not the sideways, the sideways energy of fighting. We're going to take the energy we have and synergize it and move the church forward to see as many people born again as we possibly can. As I said earlier, if there can be false gospels, there's false conversions. Last week we talked to you about how Paul told the church in Galatia, he said, you have been bewitched by false gospels. Basically saying you have let a gospel that is no gospel at all be the framework in what you have been converted to. And Paul was like, no, let me tell you what this real gospel is. So if there can be false gospels, there can be false conversions. And I really believe that in the church, this has fallen into two different camps. I'm not judging. My job is to shepherd. My job is to lay out there for you what I see in God's word, but also to evaluating what's in God's word, evaluating it by what I see in culture and also in the church culture. So I think there's two false gospels, two false conversions that we can kind of fall into. The first one is this. The first false conversion is we invite Jesus into our heart, but there's no outward change of lifestyle. And really, whenever we pray a prayer of sealing the deal, making sure we're going to heaven, unfortunately, that can many times be us wanting Jesus to relieve a burden and take away pain, but not wanting him to take away our sin. So we can want him to take away burdens from us and pain from us, but when Jesus is like, you know, I need that too, we're like, yo, I'm just, and do you know what scripture calls that? Paul called it godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is you feel bad, but there's no repentance. Remember, repentance is you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and then there's a turn, right? And that is godly sorrow, and, and, if we're, and do you know whose fault? This is not your fault. This is people who do what I do's fault. Because we have preached a costless Jesus. We have preached a Jesus that is, he will be a genie and he will be a get out of hell free card. And if you just say this prayer, you're good. Seals the deal. But does that actually breed and actually show itself into a real repentance, a receiving of the gospel and actually a regenerative work of the spirit of God? And if we are not careful, we, and we will fall to this. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a church, a church leader back in the mid-1900s, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. He talks about this concept in the way of cheap grace and costly grace. This is what he says. He said, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. Costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. 
For the sake of it, a man will gladly go and sell all he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy, which the merchant will sell all of his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ, for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves the nets and follows him. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow, and it is a grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. Make sure you haven't accepted or are walking in a cheap grace. A grace where there is no response. A grace where it's only about you having your sin pardoned instead of your life changed. Because if you are not careful, and, and like I said, that is not your problem. That's our problem. That is the church's deal. Because we have wanted to have a a costless Jesus because we want to win as many as possible, but if you're not up front with, with the cost, it could set people up for failure. The second, the second conversion is this. We invite Jesus into, our, into my, no, excuse me, outward behavioral change, but no inward repentance, gospel, or regeneration. What I mean by that, religion and church can be the easiest way to hide doing religious duties, but not letting any of it come and touch our spirit. And really, Jesus talked about this concept whenever he did the parable of the prodigal son. How many of you remember the parable of the prodigal son? When we forget, it's a parable of two sons. It's not just one son. There's two sons. And it's really a story. It's two ways to miss the father's heart and to miss the gospel. Because one way is rebellion. The son's like, Father, you cool, give me my share, give me my inheritance. I'm going to Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I'm going to go sleep with people, drink it up, live it up, gamble it all away. Right? So like, man, that's the real sinner, right? But then you've got the other son who is in the father's house working for him but doesn't have his father's heart. Where you can see whenever the, 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 the rebellious son comes back and the father is like, oh, praise God, our son who was lost and is now found. And the father breaks out a ring and a robe and a hug and, do and doesn't just look at him running. He actually runs to him and gives him a big hug and welcomes him home. You actually see the older son telling his dad, all these years I've slaved for you and you've never given me anything. And what his father says is, is like, everything I have is already yours. But what was his son revealing whenever he said that? His son was actually revealing, I'm doing these things. <laughs> he even said, I'm slaving for you. He was in his father's house but didn't have the father's heart. These are two ways to miss the gospel. And these can be two ways of false conversions where you are trying to earn your way or you are trying to, got to prayer, I'm good, I'm going to go do my thing. Both of them are false are false conversions because it leaves out one or the other. It's not just what you do. It's who you are and who you become. It's not just who you become. It also goes, it influences the way you then act and the way you live. Are y'all hearing my heart? Listen, how do you know if we're born again? That is the question. How do you know? The one word that kind of is evidence. Now, let me give some preambles before I talk about this. Number one, I say this, hum, like I say this humbly. I say this as in the study I've done, I share with you what I humbly have kind of seen in God's word. Secondly, Jesus talked about you can know a tree by its fruit. That the way you can tell 
a tree is healthy is by its fruit. The way you can tell a seed has been planted and there has been growth and there has been some example of the growth and is the fruit. So I'm not telling you anything. Jesus would say, how do you know you're born again? He would probably say, fruit, evidence. But also let me caution you with this. Be careful about judging someone else's fruit. Because let, well, let me tell you what happens. We want to judge somebody else's tree and fruit when we're 500 yards away. Like, yeah, that tree don't look healthy. I don't think they read their Bible. How do you judge fruit? You get close to it. You look at it. You smell it. And what I think in the church is we have so many people judging somebody else's tree and fruit without proximity. Because growth for you is going to be different than growth for them. We all start at different places. You can look at someone else and you're like, oh, he's still smoking. <sighs> he might not go to hell, but he's going to smell like hell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> do you see they, he hasn't, you know what, they're, li- you know, they would, they're probably having sex. And we, like, we will, but do you know they're showing up every Sunday? (laughs) And for them, that might be they got birthed, and now they're just drinking some milk. That might actually be growth for them. But unless you know them and you have relationship with them, you have no right to judge them. There are people in our church that I have met with and sat down with. Because here's the thing. You can have a concept with no context. And this can be a lot of different people. You can have a concept. Well, I just know people like that. Da, 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 da. And then you actually hear their story and their, and their kind of their like upbringing and their influences. That gives you a lot more grace. And I've personally done this at our church where I'm like, let me sit down with this person and tell them. Then when I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Them having a Bible them showing up, this is a miracle. They have been born. Are they, do, do they still need to grow up and start walking? And Yes, but see, that's, that's what I say. So when, when I say these, we have to make sure, number one, we're looking at no one else but us. When I talk about these things, I don't want you thinking about your wife. I don't want you thinking about your husband. I don't want you thinking about that boss who says he's a Christian but, a Christian but cusses every seventh word, okay? I don't want you, yeah, I don't see no evidence in his life. I want you to take a mirror and hold it up to you. No one else. Scripture actually says to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I, uh, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians 13. 13, Paul, he's talking to the church, he's walking them through how to process communion, and he says, before you receive communion together, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Do you know what that word examine means? It's actually a legal word that means is there evidence? So that's what we're going to do. Evidence that you've been born again. Hum, hum, humbly submit it. Okay, the first one's this. Do you crave desire the things of God. 
Love what First Peter 2 says. It says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, every kind, like newborn babies. What does it say? Crave. Crave pure spiritual milk. So the bite you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Desire is a way for us to see if we have experienced the regenerative work of the Spirit. I didn't say perfection. Is there a, man, I, I got to get to church. I got to read God's word. I might not understand what I'm reading, but I want to grow. Is there a desire? Is there like a craving in you? Because just think of a baby, when a baby is born, you barely have to teach that thing how to eat. That thing is born and it's like, I need a bottle or something else. Y'all, y'all know what I'm saying. It's like, like I got to eat something. Something. I need something to eat. Why? Because it's, it's like, I desire to eat. I think that's one of the best ways. Is there a desire in you for the things of God? Not to do work for God, for God. Number two, are you receptive to learning, being rebuked, being corrected, and training from God's word, brothers and sisters in Christ, church leadership? Is there a receptivity towards being under authority? And this can be, and here's the, here's the thing, I just want to say this up front. Some of you have experienced the downside and the abusive form of this, where you were spiritually abused. That's a real thing. <laughs> don't let no one tell you. Because if somebody has authority and they don't steward it right, they will use the authority to bruise and wound and hurt the flock of God. So, I am not saying a domineering, jerk leadership here. Because scripture lays out what church leaders are supposed to be. It says, shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock. Jesus talked about grace and truth. Truth and grace. And unfortunately, some people have proclivities towards one of those two things. Some of y'all are like, just give it to me. Tell me I'm terrible. Tell me where I'm going wrong. I want it. So you're kind of more, you know, the drill sergeant pastor. Just tell me, pastor. You know, and, and some of you, you know, kind of, you know, you need a, a little more grace. <laughs> need a little more understanding. But, it, but, it, but it's like we all have a proclivity towards one or the other. But the thing is, people need different things at different times. Like some of you, you, you need some grace. Some of you, you need some truth. And it's the job of the church leader, the brothers and sisters in Christ, and though in, in the community of faith to have discernment, what does this person need right now? Right? But one of the ways we show that we are actually alive and born again is that we have a desire. And really the heart here is growth. The heart here is training because you even see 2 Timothy 3, like scriptures God breathed and is useful for what? Teaching. Yikes, we don't like this one. Rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Like, do you guys, guys see, see here, like what Paul is getting at whenever he writes this to his pastoral protege, Timothy, is that you need to be under authority. Under the authority of God's word. Because here's the thing. Under the authority of God's word, brothers and sisters in Christ and church leadership, you should find protection. You should find shepherding. You should say, if there is any way, because you should 
welcome it instead of viewing it as judgment. Because what we always say, don't judge me. When let's talk about that. Because when Jesus said don't judge, what Jesus was talking about was eternally judging. So essentially, don't, be, don't have the gavel of you're going to heaven or hell. Because that ain't your job. When Paul was building the church, he actually said, y'all need to be judging each other so we won't stand under the judgment of Christ. And then one of the things that brothers and sisters in Christ do is we actually bring safety together. Church leadership should bring a spirit of safety. The word of God should bring a level of safety to keep us in the proper boundaries of God's best. Okay? But that is a sign that you want to be in the boundaries of God's best, that, uh, that you're willing to be under authority is a sign you want to grow. Lastly, do you feel a fight going on? I said a couple weeks back, some of y'all think the fight means you're not saved. But I just wanted to blow that up. Because do you know what the fight means? The fight actually means you're in the game. And some of y'all struggling, like, oh, man, I got this, this, this. And I'm like, praise God. Not that you're struggling, but that you're struggling. <laughs> because the struggle actually shows that there is a fight going. You know what? I'd be more scared if you weren't fighting. Because as Jesus said, birth gives birth to flesh. Y'all all birthed. Y'all all here. Y'all all breathing. But when Jesus comes and the Holy Spirit re renews us and his eternal spirit touches our dead spirit and makes it alive. Do you know what happens? The flesh and the spirit, what happens between them? It's a war, baby. You got your flesh that's like, I want to tell that person to go somewhere. And your spirit, the Holy Spirit that has rebirthed you and that is now taking residence in you says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. So then you have a fight going on. you got a battle going on. And that is actually evidence that your spirit has come alive. Paul described it this way. And I'm going to read nine verses. Y'all don't bail out on me. Galatians 5. He says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Amen. And the spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in what? You know what that word conflict? That, that's actually a, like a war term. They're in, like they're in conflict with each other. So that you are not able to do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Some of you are like, those are my college years. Um, <laughs> next idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Some of you are like, that is my marriage, um, <laughs> right? Selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. There you go. Here's your word of the day. And, and, and the like, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not do what? Inherit what? The kingdom of God. But then he says the, the what? Fruit. The evidence. The spirit of God is at work. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against said things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let us do what? Keep it step. 
Y'all, you want to know what, what the whole, like, spirit thing is? Keeping in step. As the spirit leads, I'm white as whatever. I ain't got a dancing bone in me. I'm just saying. You keep in step. Keep in step. You keep in step because here's the thing. I, when, I, when I hear keep in step, I think about a dance. And when you have a dance, someone's got to lead. Someone's got someone's to lead. If you're doing a dance with someone else, like they're, they're, you can't be, well, there can't be this fight of leadership. It's got, you've got one person that's leading the way, guiding, and some person that is just honestly the follower. And this is what it is to keep in step with the Spirit. As you, learn to put the, as you learn to submit the flesh to the Spirit, the life of God, the Spirit of God, the birthing and renewal, regenerative work of the Holy Spirit then starts to invade inside of you. And now what comes out of you isn't what he mentioned, the fruits of discord and jealousy and fits of rage and sexual immorality, all those things, the fruit starts to look different. It starts to look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, tenderness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And what happens when that happens? Then we see the kingdom of God being built within us and then being built through us as wherever we go, we bring the kingdom of God. But this is a work of the spirit of God. But one of the ways you know that, the, that you've been born again by, this, by the spirit of God is there's a fight. Do you guys hear my heart? Evidences. Are you receptive to the things of God? Have your desires changed? And do you feel a fight going on? Okay, two questions in closing. Number one, common, you know how hard it is to talk about being born again in 30 minutes? And I'm already at 37. So this is not the plan, but oh well. Okay, common question. Do I have to know the exact date, time, place, and the way that I was born again? Y'all, like, how many of y'all remember being born one person lifted their hand. I, I knew there would be one because I actually had somebody come up to me after first service and they said, hi, my son told me that he remembers being born. I said, okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I'm not sure, but the bottom line is 99.99999, and I am not stuttering when I say that. 99.99% of us, the way we know that is like, no, that's just not true. A lot of us don't know we've been born, but we have people to validate we've been born. We have a birth certificate. What, what do we have? Evidence. And then we have confirmation from out, I've been born. Y'all, like, it's crazy hearing about the salvation stories that people experienced when they were born again. I had this one guy. I was a youth pastor, Horseheads in New York, 24, 25 years old, my first job ever. This guy got converted because he had a dream. The devil ate him. And he was like, man, I woke up and I was like, I'm serving Jesus. <laughs> but it was legitimate. It was real. I know people, they, they just opened up the Bible, started in Genesis and read the whole thing and they got saved. I'm like, they got to Leviticus and didn't stop. That's my man right there. That's a real Christian right there. He read the whole thing. My man. But y'all's story is probably just as crazy. I mean, me, I was 16 years, years old, sitting in a youth group there to find girls. What a terrible human. Message. God said, you're, it's time for you to repent, turn, receive, and, and believe the good news. 
and be born of the Holy and be born of the Holy Spirit. Your story is the same way. And y'all, the way that God works, when God works, how God works, we need to stop formalizing it. God's going to work how he wants to work. So no, you don't need to know the exact day, place, time. The question is, is there evidence? Is there evidence? Lastly, common, common, uh, common question number two. Can I lose my salvation? This whole born again thing, can I lose it? This is a question, like I said, Christians have thought about. Thought about for a long time. So what I present to you, I present to you hum- humbly of what I see in Scripture, what I believe. That with a heart of humility, you can't lose it, but you can leave it. Paul talks about how people shipwreck their faith. About how they started and then they got ship, ship, shipwrecked and died. I think it can be shipwrecked. But here is the positive point with this here. God isn't moving. If anyone's moved, it ain't God. When Jesus hung on the cross, hands wide open, nails in his hands, nails in his feet, spear in his side, crown of thorns on his head, when he died and said, it is finished, he came down and he rose from the dead. You can come up, Jarvis. And he rose from the dead and he defeated our three greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death. He forever declared, I ain't moving. My heart is for you. I am here to save you. I am here to send my Holy Spirit to regenerate you. I am here to make you new. So if you feel like, do I think you, I think you can leave the love of God. In a way of you don't accept it. Not that it leaves you, you leave it. Because here's, here's the thing. God is always the constant in our chaos. He is the consistency when we aren't consistent. Because some of you right now, you are in a season where you feel like you are so inconsistent. And you're viewing that as God's left me, he doesn't love me, so then you're like, hey, if I go to church for four weeks in a row, I give a little bit here, then I'm gonna be in good grace with him, then I can come back to him. It's like, no, that's not the way it works, family. It says, John, you know, John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. Scripture says, when we are faithless, he is faithful. And I say this because if anyone's moved, it hasn't been God. Scripture says he wants everyone to be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever pleases in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I think some people can walk away from that. But God hasn't moved. God is always there with his arms wide, wide open saying, I'm still here. If you're chaos, I'm still here. Inconsistency, I'm still here. I'm still here. So, there's a lot that I could talk about. I gotta, I gotta land this plane. So let's respond to God's word today. I told you earlier, some of you here today, you're gonna be reassured of your salvation. You're gonna be reassured the spirits at work. You're gonna, be, you're gonna be reassured, and some of you have done that, hopefully. You've looked at the evidences. Your desires have changed. You have a desire to grow. You have a, a willingness to accept correction and teaching and be under authority in God's word and brothers and sisters in Christ and church leadership to find a place of safety and guardrails. 
And some of you are in that fight. So I pray today that you have been reassured that you are born again. So that you'll stop with this deep insecurity that can wreck your faith and that the devil wants to do. But some of you today, maybe the Lord, the Lord has revealed to you, you've had a false conversion. You have, you said yes to genie Jesus. You said yes to get out of hell free Jesus. But what I think the Lord wants to do today is he wants you to say yes to King Jesus. And to repent and turn and not just say, I want burdens lifted. I want, I want my sin taken. I want to receive the gospel. And then I want to be regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit and live a new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you, you've never received the gospel today. You've, you've never heard of this born again thing. You're here because someone dragged you here. You're here because you, you're wanting to make church or spirituality something in the new year that you want to be a part of. And I think the Lord had you here for a reason today because he wanted you to hear the truth what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you. Can we just right, right now stand? We're gonna to respond to God's word and it's not gonna be complicated. We're not gonna belabor. Here's, here's the thing. If you're in one of those, in that second or third camp and you're like, John, yes, I need, I was falsely converted. I need to convert to the, I need, I need to be regenerated. I need, to, I need to repent and turn and receive and believe the good news and have the spirit regenerate my heart or maybe you've never received the gospel. I just wanna lead you in a prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ask everyone here to join in because I believe that as you're praying, some of you here, you're gonna feel a regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. And then you're gonna, and then you're gonna leave here new desires under authority with, with a heart. And, but, but then you're gonna feel the battle. You're gonna feel that flesh and spirit battle. But I just wanna take your hand and put it in Jesus's hand and let the Holy Spirit do his work. So if you're in that second or third camp. I want you to pray with me. Even if you're in the first camp, pray with me. I, I just want us all to join in, but I believe that as some of you praying, the Holy Spirit's going to work deeply in your life today. Would you all just lift up hands and repeat this after me? Would you just say, Jesus, thank you for the good news that you died for me, but you rose for me, and you defeated Satan, sin, and death. So in response to the gospel, I repent of my sin. I turn to you. I believe and receive the gospel. And I welcome the Holy Spirit in me to regenerate me, to regenerate my desires, to help me to live under the authority of God's word and God's people. And also that I would live with new passions, new desires, and a, and, and a passion to follow Jesus. Holy Spirit, regenerate me. Thank you for welcoming me into the, into the family of God today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about Lifehouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.